Santon Time Studios in Africa's richest square mile. This is the Santon Times Podcast with your host, Alexander. Yeah, good day, man. Gee, how can things change in a week? Thank you for tuning into the Santon Times Podcast. Wow. Uh, what are we at? Episode 58, week 28, and what a week it's been in South Africa. I think if you are South African, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you're not South African, well, by now, the news has made international headlines. Uh, I don't think I've come across any channel somewhere in the world in whatever language that hasn't covered the looting, the unrest, the vigilantism that's been going on in South Africa this past week. And I think we're all pretty shook. I think we've all had a pretty rough week as South Africans. I think we are shocked at what's happened. I think we are mentally exhausted, physically exhausted, especially those who are still on the front line in parts of Gauteng, parts of KwaZulu-Natal, in and around Durban. It's quite something. And I think a lot of people are asking themselves a lot of questions. And I don't even know where to start with it. But let's kick off with uh, what we always kick this uh, podcast off with. You can get in, in touch with this podcast at uh, editor at santantimes.co.za. You can uh, contact us on social media at santantimes. And you can also visit the website, www.santantimes.co.za. And you can follow, subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating of this podcast on your preferred podcast platform. So welcome to you. If you're listening from Greater Santon and beyond, including the United States, Qatar, Greece, the UK, Portugal, and Brazil, usually I would tell you that all is well in Santon land, uh, but this week has been a watershed moment, I think, in South Africa. Santon has stayed unscathed uh, indirectly. There's still a lot to be seen in terms of what happens. And I mean, we have had one week. I'm not sure if it's the end of it or if there's more to come, if the army and the police have got it under control, if the government's got it under control, but we wait and see. What do they always say? Expect the worst and hope for the best. But July 2021, it's uh, Mandela Day week, and here we are with a week that will go down in South African history. Over 200 shopping centers looted. And if you've seen some of the footage, if you've been following the mainstream media, it was harrowing. If you if you were watching it and felt anything like I did when I was watching it, I mean, there were moments I was bitterly angry, bitterly upset, bitterly disappointed. Then amazing stories of South Africans who are picking up shovels, picking up brooms, cleaning up everything again, only to be faced with another story of people being killed in these riots and in these in these lootings, then being told that a lot of people are doing this because they're hungry, because they're unemployed, and then going down the roller coaster again when you realize that people were rocking up in buckies, in pickup trucks, in vans, and they were stealing 75-inch plasma television screens, microwaves, fridges, destroying other people's property and destroying other people's livelihoods and destroying other people's jobs. And not just any other people's jobs, not people who are just waiting in queue for another job. These are jobs like cashiers, store managers, people who work in stores that all of us know. And that same store that has provided so many jobs for so many people has been destroyed and might never reopen again, depending on what the insurance will pay out, if it'll pay out, how long it'll take to rebuild those stores, to restock those stores. 
it's been frustrating, upsetting, and you just sit there and you shake your head and you think, South Africa, we deserve so much more. We deserve so much better. We've got everything going for us, and yet here we are dealing with this. 40 mass mart stores hit, thousands of jobs lost. I mean, you just get clips and videos and sound bites on a regular basis, on an hourly basis. People whose entire businesses have just disappeared, who've been there for 12 years, for 15 years, for 20 years, and it's just gone. And 80 employees have been let go. 15 employees have been let go. I mean, every little bit of employment is just so, so critical. And yet here we are with... We don't even know yet. We don't even know what the outcome's going to be. We don't even know what this is going to look like in the weeks and months to come in terms of what the actual turmoil is going to be. Yeah, it's... Uh, ah, I just found myself reading a lot of uh, uh, economist Thomas Sowell's uh, quotes and books over the last couple of days just to try and get a little bit of sense of... Uh, I don't know what it is. Just trying to get some sort of optimism into all of this again. And then also just the response to all of this. We watched days go by before we heard anything from government, before we saw any deployment of any significance, be it the police, be it the military. It's so interesting, once again, reading Thomas Sowell, Knowledge and Decisions, one of his works, and one of the quotes that stood out, it said, if you are not prepared to use force to defend civilization, then be prepared to accept barbarism. Places were burnt down. They weren't just cleaned out or robbed or looted, they were destroyed. They were specifically destroyed. And massive organizations, huge companies, the shockwave that goes into most of Asia, most of Europe, most of the United States, companies that have set up business here, that are trying to invest in the country, that are trying to create opportunities and jobs, who now have to try and understand from their local colleagues what is going on here. And, and, and by all means, I wonder if they're sitting there and going, well, instead of putting my money back into South Africa, there's many other opportunities and emerging countries that would welcome my money, that would welcome my investment, that can guarantee me security, stability, safety, and I'd rather take it there. I'd rather go to places like Singapore or Dubai or Rwanda or any of those countries because I know that law and order is looked after. And law and order doesn't take four days or five days or a week. It gets sorted out within hours. I mean, when I heard it takes, what was it, four days to deploy an army, I thought that is just unbelievable. If we were being invaded by somebody, would it take four days to deploy the army? I mean, come on. Come on. You've got to be joking. And this is just the question. You know, nobody's saying that, there's not countries that are, you know, worse off or better off. And, and quite honestly, I, I don't, I think we need to actually walk away from this entire constant comparing ourselves to what the next average or mediocrity is, because it seems like we've become so comfortable with being average and being mediocre that we should be sitting there and comparing ourselves to the best countries in the world because we deserve to be there. We deserve to be the first amongst nations, a country that stands way above uh, many other countries, head and shoulders, we have all that it takes. We have the people that it takes. And I think we need to start changing that narrative uh, to focusing on being first as opposed to just getting by, just making it. I think it's absolute nonsense. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, what else, what, what else is there to say? 
Coming up in this week's episode, it's our weekly check-in on some of the sport with our regular contributor, then with Gauteng and KwaZulu-Natal damaged beyond belief, one domestic airline is deploying its spare capacity to assist in aiding those left without food and medication in the Durban area. And uh, staying on the East Coast, we catch up with two Miss South Africa hopefuls as they make the top 30 in this year's pageant. And finally, in an attempt to clean up the mess left by this week's looting and deliberate destruction of public and private property, companies are stepping up to help wherever they can. Keep listening. But right now, let's take a look at your news to go. Well, there's so much news to cover this week, and uh, I think most of our podcasts will be dedicated to discussing and looking at some of the aspects of what's happened this week. It's just been so much. It's just been a tsunami of absolute sheer horror and desperation and just unbelievably sad. And one of those unbelievably sad stories as well is the story of Alex FM, which is currently broadcasting from Santon following their radio station being destroyed. News 24 reports that the voice of Alexandra has had to temporarily move its operations to Santon, but maintains its determination to return to the heart of its community. What was once a buzzing radio station on the fourth floor of the Yarona building has been reduced to an empty, hollow space. Alex FM was one of the spaces hit by looters during the widespread unrest that spilled into the township. Pledges are beginning to roll in from parties who wish to assist to rebuild the station. And while the station manager hopes to return to Alexandra, he says this will be determined by the availability of equipment and funding. What does hunger and poverty and whatever other narrative people have been using to to justify what's going on uh, this week got to do with raiding a radio station. Surely a radio station is the voice of the community. It's an opportunity to express your feelings, express your concerns. It gives the the voiceless a voice if social media isn't doing it for you. And here you are having people not just only ransack a radio station, I mean, stealing equipment that most people might not even know what to do with. And, and there's also only a limited market that could honestly purchase some of this stuff. But to destroy a radio station altogether, I mean... It's unbelievable. It is economic sabotage. And I know there's been a lot of dancing around with terminology, with trying to be as careful in calling it what you want to call it. But really, some of the stuff, I mean, the the most well-spoken person on all of this has been the head of the SANDF, the general right at the top, who really uh, called a spade a spade and said they will meet force with force. And that is the kind of discipline that it requires. It's that kind of approach to bring everyone back in line because really it i mean we had scenes of you know police and and other security just literally watching people walk away with entire shopping centers worth of stuff i mean not even the news teams who were filming these people could deter anybody from doing what they were doing and they were literally walking away with not one not two i mean piles of televisions of all kinds of things. And yes, there's been the one or two stories where people have literally walked away with things where you think, shame, you know, that is really showing us a true face of a hungry nation, a nation that is desperate, that is starving, that has been unemployed, etc., etc. But there's been a hell of a lot of those that just make absolutely no sense when you sit there and you think, this is pure criminality, this is pure opportunism, this is, you know, what are we going to be left with? These factories are gone, these warehouses are gone, these jobs are gone, what are people going to be doing? And who's going to rebuild it? And once again, it'll be corporate South Africa, it'll be the private sector that'll have to step up 
and try and get everything back on track. I mean, come on. Then, die-stained banknotes should under no circumstances be accepted. MyBroadband.co.za reports that the South African Banking Risk Information Centre has warned that people in possession of die-stained banknotes make themselves suspects of a criminal investigation. This warning followed civil unrest in KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng, during which hundreds of ATMs were targeted by criminals. ATMs hold cash in special containers protected with die-stained technology that is activated when someone tries to break open the container. Once activated, the cash is stained with green dye, thus defacing the notes, rendering them unusable as currency. The stained notes are recognized as having no monetary value once they are stained. Then finally, Buns Out of Business in Rosebank. Times Live reports popular burger joint Buns Out has announced the closure of its Rosebank branch due to the impact of the lockdown level 4 restrictions recently reimposed on the country. This was confirmed by celebrity owner actor Maps Moponyane, who said the current conditions have made it too challenging for the branch to remain operational. It is with great sadness that we post to you this evening to confirm the closure of our Rosebank branch. We had started on our journey in Rosebank with an eye on the future and optimism of growth and life beyond level three lockdown. And then I think on top of that, uh, all of this happened this week, which really doesn't give you any confidence in terms of doing anything, really. That's it for your news to go this week. Don't forget you can visit uh, the santantimes.co.za for more stories. Online. Mobile. Anywhere. This is the Santin Times Podcast. All right, time to take a break from all the drama that's unfolding in South Africa at the moment and to uh, cast our eyes on to the sports scene. As always, Jeff Grundling joins us on the line. Jeff, good to chat to you again, man. Hey, Alex. Thanks so much for having me, man. So, Jeff, yeah, I mean, just to wrap up the Euro 2020, which almost feels like it's a lifetime ago, it was a, a big final between England and Italy. Italy eventually uh, took it home in a dramatic penalty shootout. And, you know, when a game ends in penalties, it's always like, it doesn't always feel like a complete victory. But it is it is what it is. I suppose that is the sport. You're 100% correct. Yeah, it always feels, it always feels like a, a, an anti-climax to the, to the event. But then at the same time, it's, it's one of the most nail-biting, exciting moments of the whole game. So, yeah, it's a, it's a remarkable, it's a remarkable decider, yeah. Yeah, no, look, I agree with you. I mean, it is quite dramatic and, and one does sit at the end of one's chair and, and watch it. But yeah, you almost never, you never feel like it's a complete sort of runaway train. It, you know, it's literally that one goal that makes a big difference and then that's it. But well done to Italy. Uh, I think they did play a very flary game. I mean, I think they had quite a bit of zhuzh uh, in their, in their movements. And sorry for England, man. I, it felt like they were really on a, on a, on a real uh, drive to win this. And Absolutely, yeah. I guess there can only yeah, be one winner. A hundred percent. And it was fully deserved that, uh, that Italy took it home. They were, <clears throat> excuse me, considerably better on the day, and uh, and yeah, fully deserved. They played a they played a phenomenal, phenomenal tournament. But it was it was sad to see to see England. They came out. What I felt was a little bit scared, was a little bit fragile, and uh, and yeah, we got a we got a really great opening goal in the first two minutes, and then from there it just never looked like holding it. Yeah. So yeah, certainly well deserved and congratulations to Italy. Yeah. And nothing worse than having to lose on your home ground in Wembley Stadium. That must have really been a complete damper on the whole thing. Oh. But uh, yeah, we, we, we move on. So let's have a look at uh, some of the other sports that are coming up now that Euro 2020 is wrapped up. Uh, the Wimbledon also wrapped up as well. And uh, Djokovic took, uh, took that title for this year. 
took the men's singles. It's a phenomenal, phenomenal achievement. A great, a great tennis player. Um, I was absolutely blown away by his uh, by his compatriot and his challenger in the final, who really played a phenomenal, phenomenal game. And uh, and yeah, it was a it was an impressive, impressive uh, a final. And then obviously in the female in the female side of it, Ashley Barty took it home. No surprise there, I don't think. Fantastic, yeah, and uh, yeah, but, uh, people enjoy watching Wimbledon. I, I didn't manage to catch too much of it. A great, great uh, outcome there. Then we've got uh, the British and Irish Lions Tour that's underway in South Africa. And uh, we were remarking during the week just to say that uh, it almost feels like such an anticlimax. I, I mean, you, you don't hear about it. You don't really see many people talking about it, especially this week. I mean, my goodness, uh, it, it's just completely been drowned out. And yet it's such a big sporting event uh, on the calendar. You're absolutely right. It's the it's the greatest rugby tour of all time. You know, it's something that only happens in South Africa once every twelve years. It's a remarkable, remarkable occasion. And yeah, it's just been it's just been lost in the in the chaos a little bit. Yeah, but um, but still excited. I think it's going to be a a phenomenal, phenomenal event. When the when the Springboks run out against them, you know. Yeah, I mean, I was watching some. I don't know if it was a, if, if it was an actual game or if it was a training uh, camp. But I mean, the stadiums are empty, and it uh, it really just absolutely drains the life out of it, uh, because you, you're not quite sure if they're just sort of playing for themselves or if they're actually uh, doing if it's an actual match. That's the really sad thing, and it's a sad state of of sport, and that's why it was so exciting during the Euros to see fans back in the stadium because that is really the that is the magic and that's why we love sports and uh, yeah with an empty stadium it always it always drowns the atmosphere and in my opinion it drowns the performance because uh, there was nothing like running out to a full stadium yeah absolutely so I see it finishes on the 7th of August is that right correct so the, the tests against the Springboks start next week Saturday the 24th in Cape Town and then we have another one the end of the month in Johannesburg and then the last one again in Johannesburg mm. on the 7th yeah so they're going to run three weeks three weeks over we're going to be playing in their three tests right yeah then we've got the uh, the uh, open at St George at the Royal St George's golf course uh, wow. how's that looking it's looking absolutely superb if you're a South African golf lover because Louis Oosthuizen played one of the one of the rounds of his life uh, on the first day yesterday, and he's uh, he's leading the field at the moment on uh, on six under, but uh, but being chased very aggressively. So it looks like a it looks like a really really open field at this point, and I think it's going to be a great game, a great uh, a great tournament. Well, good to see uh, Dylan Fratelli there, also a South African in the, in the top ten at least. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's great to see a South African, uh, you know, sort of doing well uh, on the international stage in golf. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, we are, and we're showing that we've got some real talent coming through in our, uh, in our golfing ranks. But uh, I still think that, that this is very much up for grabs. I wouldn't say that, uh, that Louis is away just yet, yeah. Okay, and then we've got the Formula One coming up as well. And uh, that's going to be at the Silverstone Circuit in, in, in England. It's on the 18th uh-huh. of July. Correct, and it's going to be a massive, massive race. Yeah, so it's uh, it's been a good season so far. Max Verstappen is really showing up in a in a massive way in light of of Hamilton and Bottas really not really not performing how a lot of people expected them to, and uh, and yeah, this looks like this looks like it might be Red Bull's year once again. Well, I mean, they've been doing unbelievably well. I mean, I think Mercedes Patronus also like just always delivers as well. So, uh, you know, if it's between any of those two, I, I have no doubt they'll do well. It's amazing how none of the other teams have just managed to shape up and really put on a sizable opposition to to any of these teams. 
and it's especially sad because I'm a massive Ferrari fan and I always have been ever since the days of uh, of the likes of Michael Schumacher and um and it's really sad because in the last in the last sort of 2-3 years they've really fallen out of that of that second position that was theirs for a long time behind Mercedes and and oftentimes challenging Mercedes and they just don't seem to be getting it right right now and that's uh that's very sad. I was hoping when Carlos Sainz signed for them alongside Charles Leclerc that we would really see we really see the rebirth and that and that uh, renaissance of the of the French team and of the the Ferrari team, but we just haven't seen it just yet. Well, I see they've also released uh, the new F1 sort of car design for next year. I don't know if you've seen this. I haven't even had a look at it just yet. Can yeah. you tell us a bit about? It? Yeah, well, I just saw it now. It just popped up here on my on my radar here that they uh, they they showcased it, uh, and it's it's well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a dramatic new design, but you can definitely see it looks quite a bit better. It's for the twenty twenty two season, and uh, you know, I, I was always amazed. I never quite understood Formula One until I watched Drive to Survive, and. Uh, I always thought like everyone just gets the same car, they put their branding on it and then everyone races around. But everyone actually gets involved in the car on their own terms. So everyone kind of has to follow a general design. I suppose there's sort of a, a limit to what they can and can't do. And then they obviously add their own sort of uh, bells and whistles to it. But uh, yeah, it's it's up on the web if you have a look. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, as I said, it, it looks like it's got some really, a much bigger intakes actually. But uh, it looks very futuristic. And uh, let's see if it performs, because I mean, you know, nothing like a great-looking car that doesn't uh, really deliver the goods. That'll be very exciting, and you're 100 right. That uh, that drive to survive is truly one of my favourite Netflix uh, series. It's absolutely extraordinary. If you're a Formula One fan, that is a must-watch. Yeah? Fantastic, man. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for catching up on the sport this week. I think it's uh, probably one of the few things that can distract us from what's going on in the country right now. And uh, on the one hand, uh, you know, we need a little bit of light entertainment and maybe just something to to give us a little bit of a break from what's going on. So thanks so much for, for joining me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Alex, and have a great weekend. We'll chat again next week. Cheers. From Santin to the world, this is the Santin Times Podcast. As South Africa moves forward in terms of uh, recovering from this past week and uh, all signs are there that we are out of uh, part one. We don't know if there's a part two, but right now cleanup operations are underway across uh, KZN and Gauteng. And uh, in uh, the Santon area, well, Alex, just across the road from the highway, has uh, experienced quite a bit of uh, damage, quite a bit of looting, almost unrecoverable scenes if you look at it on, on television and online. And uh, a lot of companies are stepping stepping up now to try and assist. A lot of individuals are trying to step up to assist, and we're hoping to try and speak to some of those. One of them is uh, Kärcher South Africa, uh, a German uh, company of origin. And uh, to Kärcher is uh, quite a, uh, it's almost become like a bit of a, a verb. It's almost like, you know, a lot of these other things that you say to Hoover, you know, when you vacuum. So to Kärcher, you know, it's that high pressure water system. But to to really give you a, a proper breakdown of this, I've got uh, David Acosta, Engineered Solutions at Kärcher South Africa. David, good to have you on the line. Thank you so much. David, tell me a little bit more about Kaka South Africa, what you guys do, and uh, how you're hoping to help. Yeah, so basically we're the subsidiary for Kaka in South Africa. Um, we're a direct subsidiary of Kaka in Germany. We, we are the world's biggest cleaning equipment manufacturer, and I know a lot of people are basically trying to raise funds and trying to find any way they can help in the spirit of Ubuntu. But, you know, people are battling to clean up and tidy up, so it's, it's actually the perfect way that we can assist. You know, we've got the equipment. So what we want to do is just help as many people make lives a bit easier 
um, the less burden on their shoulders, the better. Absolutely. And I mean, you've got the perfect uh, solution uh, for those people who can't really connect the dots right now. You might have seen them at a lot of the uh, the big retail stores. It's those big yellow units. They come in different sizes. It's high pressure water. Uh, some people use it to wash their car. Other people use it to wash their paving. But you can pretty much wash anything or I mean, it literally just blasts the dirt off any surface. It's it's an incredible piece of equipment. How is it going to work in the context of what you're proposing right now? Uh, are you are you sort of renting out the the equipment to people? Are you kind of just giving it to them for a period of time? Where do they go? How how is it all going to work? Okay, so just so people understand, I mean, everyone knows us for the yellow machines. Um, I'm actually on the industrial side. Yeah, our equipment on the industrial side they actually grey machines, um, just to differentiate them. But they built for robust applications. Um, and that's where we're stepping in because you know, it, it's going to be a massive cleanup in a lot of the areas. And it's not just pressure washers. We've got industrial sweepers, vacuum cleaners. So we've got a fleet of demo units, which we are looking to see where we can use whatever equipment we can um, in order to assist you know, companies in getting on their feet a lot quicker and helping them with the clean. Um, a lot of the things are actually, a lot of the machines are going down to KZN, where it's been a bit... Uh, yeah, it's been hectic. Our, our branch there in Pantan, the police literally stopped looters about half a kilometer away from our offices there. We've, we've got a big ride-on sweeper that the guys are going to use to help clean up the streets and the, the, the business parks that have been heavily looted. So we, we, we're just trying to step in. Um, we're not renting things out. We, we, we're physically going to go with our machines wherever we can. However we can, we, we, we're obviously limited. Mm. Um, but we're just trying to see where it's needed most and where... You know, we can assist as soon as possible. So, yeah, we, we, we're just trying to do whatever we can. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, so we're all very familiar, I suppose, with the with the uh, consumer using side of care here. So when I refer to the, the, the yellow machines, the industrial machines do sound like they need a little bit more of expertise. So you were saying there is an opportunity possibly to have some of your team operate this, because I'm assuming this is not just something that somebody can just sort of get going uh, having never used it before. Yeah, some of, some of the machines are very basic, which we, we probably are going to be using some of them. Um, manual little push sweepers where, you know, you can clean an area 12 times quicker than with a normal broom. Um, sweeps everything up into a container so you don't have to sweep everything up into your own little panhandle or anything like that. Mm. Um, but the big ride-on sweepers are specialized machines. And that's like, a, it almost looks like a tank, but that vacuums and sweeps up. So our guys will, will manually go and physically go and drive that unit around and help clean up the streets in KZN. Um, some of our staff have already helped starting to clean a bit in Alex. Uh, some of my colleagues that are actually staying in Alex, um, they were helping a bit hands-on yesterday. And yeah, today we're probably going to be in Daviton, uh, Germiston. So yeah, wherever people just need a little bit of a helping hand, um, Kaka South Africa are going to step in and just, just help however we can. Yeah, and I think it's great. And you're definitely playing to your strengths in terms of having, you know, all this equipment uh, that is designed exactly for what you're saying, cleaning up some of the devastation that we've seen in hopefully record time. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, if they have a need, if there is an opportunity to, uh, to deploy these units, uh, who do they get in touch with? Where can they get hold of you? I think the easiest way would be to email me. It's just david at karcher.co.za um, with the contact number. And then we can get in touch and just see where, how, and um, if possible, we can assist. Like I said, we, we're limited into how many machines we can 
um, use and manpower as well. So we we are quite busy already, but you know we don't know how long this is going to take to recover. So if there is opportunity to still assist, then we we more than willing to come and help. That's great, David. And uh, like you said, I mean, you know, if your stuff works in such record time, uh, you, you'll probably want to build up a little bit of a, a, a project plan. The moment you finish in one place, you can hopefully deploy into another place and uh, and clean up South Africa, essentially. Yep. Yeah, I think everybody needs to step in and lend a helping hand. But yeah, we've got the equipment just to make it a bit easier. So that's where we thought, you know, let's let's do it. So. Fantastic, David. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to jump onto this uh, call and uh, and thank you for letting us know that uh, KK South Africa is there to help. And if you are listening, get in touch with David. If you own a, a small mall, if you own a small shop, I suppose anything that really needs cleaning up right now, if it's your, your neighborhood and uh, they're able to assist, please do get in touch with David and uh, let's see how they can assist you in uh, making it a little bit easier, a little bit cleaner. And uh, I think we all need uh, that little bit of help right now. Thank you so much, David. Thanks so much, Alexander. The latest news. The biggest names. The best destinations. The hottest entertainment. This is the Santon Times Podcast. All right, we spoke to them last week. Uh, we're going to do it again. It's the Miss South Africa Top 30. And last week we spoke to Santon Hopefuls, who are in it to win it and hoping to make it into uh, the final round uh, in this year's Miss South Africa. So we decided let's do it again. And we thought, let's go to the East Coast of South Africa, which has really seen a rough week. And uh, I don't know, the timing is interesting, but I think it'll make for interesting conversation because Miss South Africa is not just about beauty, it's also about brains. And I think uh, it's in these times that possibly Miss South Africa's are shaped and their part in society is, uh, is critical. So joining me today are Lizanne Lazarus, she's 25, from Manzum Toti in uh, the great state of KwaZulu-Natal. And uh, she's a PR and brand officer at a local radio station. Lizanne, good to have you uh, on this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me here. At least I get to be on the, you know, metropolitan of uh, South Africa. Yes, right. Emma. You get to be in Africa's richest square mile for uh, a few minutes. And uh, Lizanne, before I move over to Savannah, I want to quickly ask you, how are things going down in KZN? You know, I'd be lying if I said it's all sunshines and rainbows because it's absolutely not. It's really a time that we've never experienced before. Um, amidst the pandemic, I feel like this is the people's pandemic now. It's quite hectic. It's quite draining online. Um, it's draining walking. You can't walk around. Let me put it like that. You can't walk around right now. It's very sad. It's very unprecedented it just makes me feel really sad that my beautiful province my beautiful city my beautiful surrounding areas is really going through such a hectic time and it's hard it's really hard and I just all we can do is pray that's the biggest thing everyone's telling everyone is that we need to pray pray that this will this too shall pass. It will get better. And if we can adopt a more positive attitude, more togetherness, more Ubuntu, um, we will get through it. So it's not great, but I do believe that it'll get better. And then also from uh, Hillcrest in Durban in KwaZulu-Natal, uh, Savannah Dalmeda joins us. She's 23. She's uh, in social media and digital marketing. Uh, Savannah, you're not in Durban right now, but you're in Cape Town, but you do have family in Durban. How are things going on your front? Yes. Morning, everyone. It is so scary. I was actually just saying this morning how I'm just 
grateful that I actually can sleep at night. I know that every morning I wake up, first thing I do is phone family. Hey, are you okay? Have you guys eaten? What's going on? I need to know because also there's not, news is not always updated every couple seconds, every every minute. You know, I work on social media, so I know how these things work, but it's not always up to date. So I'll go and see the latest news and there might be something, you know, something's burning down the road for my parents, but the latest news is an hour, two hours ago. So it's very stressful to not be up to date all the time to know what's going on. Um, and also just the fear of not being able to be there. I know that that's the stressful thing is even if I was there, what can I do? You know, the, the greatest thing that I can do is actually just be there for my family right now um, and just kind of be with my community. And I'm so grateful. And I think that is one thing I love about South Africa is I have got messages on messages from people saying, listen, just letting you know that your family are safe. We are looking out for them. We have created a barricade so that they can't go into the into the residential areas. And I, I burst out into tears when I actually heard that the other day because it made me feel so comforted knowing that my family are safe, knowing that there are people in the community that are coming together for not only their families, but also for complete strangers that they don't even know, for people they will probably never meet in their lives and for their kids, just so that they can sleep at night, so that they can be safe. Um, so I'm just so grateful for that. And I think that is where the heart of South African people really shines because we are more than this. We are strong. We are brave. And we we are, It's there is no separation in these different desperate times actually people do come together and i think that is what is so beautiful um another thing about this i think that is becoming very evident is that there are a lot of people that yes okay there are opportunistic opportunistic criminals should i say that are taking advantage um but there are also there is devastation there is hunger there is desperation the people are desperate and they feel like violence is the only way so it is a bit of a tricky conversation um so we just have to look out for the people in our community and make sure that they are all okay. So if I can give anybody any advice, it would be if you have a friend in Durban or Gauteng, please send them a message, give them a phone call, just check in on them, see that they're okay. Just, you know, this is the time that we need to be kind to one another and just, um, yeah, we need to really come through as South Africans. Zan, I see you're, you're nodding quite vigorously there in agreement. Yeah, 100%. Um I could, I could be on this call with you today unharmed, my family all unharmed because of exactly that, that spirit of community that we have. I mean, we've seen people in our community literally stand together and say, we are going to take turns on night watch. We are going to take turns in updating the WhatsApp community groups. We're going to take turns in giving updates on where you can actually get food from. And then I think that is such a beautiful thing that we have in South Africa is that through this darkness, we can show our resilience and that I think is the biggest theme here is that we can work through the resilience and really be kinder. Like you say, Savannah, it's so important. I think that it's the most inexpensive thing to be kind to someone, yet it's the hardest thing for people to do. So if we can just adopt that one trait and during this time is to be kind and to put your self gains behind you and be a little bit selfless and think about the person next to you, the person suffering on the other end. I think that we can come out of this much stronger and we can rebuild. So completely agree with all her sentiments. Mm. I think it's very encouraging to see that there's uh, South Africans on the one hand that are, uh, that take every opportunity to, to steal, to, uh, to ruin, to destroy. And on the other hand, you've also got a lot of South Africans who take every opportunity to also try and help and assist and, 
and uh, make uh, right where there has uh, there's been a lot of wrong. And uh, it's encouraging to see those messages starting to come through now. People wanting to rebuild, people wanting to aid, to help uh, at, at no cost whatsoever. And uh, I think there's this clear divide between, you know, two sides of South Africa uh, that is willing to, you know, also do a lot of good things. And that is very encouraging and that is uh, very heartwarming. Lizanne, let's get to things uh, Miss South Africa after quite a heavy start to this conversation. But uh, you said you take a lot of uh, inspiration from Basitsana Kumalo, and she was uh, Miss South Africa early 90s. Mm, I do. So, funny story about me. I feel like most girls are going to say this. But I grew up watching the pageant. I'm such a tomboy. Um, and I was always like super sporty. I did every single sport in school, believe it or not, not even exaggerating. Um, and when I got to high school, I was being bullied because I was the only girl playing on every single sport field with all the boys. And I just felt like I couldn't connect much to girls and boys are just my best friends and my dad was like well why don't you try something different because I really love community work my dad is a pastor as well and that was the one thing I would always volunteer I'm like, can we help this person I'll be the first person running you know to band everyone together and he found a pageant for me so he put me into a modeling school so that I could get a little bit more confidence in being a girl <laughs> and then um that modeling agent told me that, cute, you're adorable, but I think that you'd be way more better suited for pageants because you have so, so many opinions and you really want to help people. And that's why I love pageants so much is because of the beautiful CSI um, kind of component it has to the platform. So I was a completely obsessed with Miss South Africa and I took 100% to Basitsane Kamalo. I read her book, um, everything that she stands for, how she rose from a small community like Soweto, how she used Miss Soweto as an opportunity to really see and dream bigger for herself. Um, so out of, um, uh, what do we call it? Out of a little community came this beautiful powerhouse and she used a platform like Miss South Africa, which I saw watch over and over and over today, her um, rendition of Miss South Africa, how she used that platform really for a springboard to the rest of her life. She's a woman who has created such a beautiful empire for herself. And that's completely something that I strive towards, especially because she's so focused in the media industry, um, like I am. So yeah, she's just brilliant. I mean, what's not to love? Reading her book, even it's like I can picture myself, okay, standing on that stage at Miss Soweto. So she's just brilliant for me. Awesome, yeah. man. And, and another lady, uh, funny enough, that I've also had a pleasure of working with is Priyanka Chopra. Uh, I mean, uh, that what a great choice. I mean, she really is just so fantastic. I'm jealous. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, I did some work with her when she was out in South Africa, but that's a whole other story. But uh, enough about me. Let's talk about you. <laughs> Yeah, so Priyanka Chopra Jonas. Firstly, if I could meet her, because every time people read this about my role models, um, they're like, okay, if you could meet Priyanka, what would you ask her? Girl, I would ask her, how does it feel to marry a Jonas brother? Because I was obsessed with the Jonas brothers growing up. So like, firstly, you're married to a whole Jonas brother, cute. Um, no, I'm obsessed with her as well. I mean, she completely epitomizes everything that I've strived towards and I still continue to strive towards. I mean, I know what it's like to grow up in a very conservative Indian, small little background um, and to completely want the opposite for your life compared to what tradition expects of you. And 
very seldom you find people are brave enough to break out of that and to kind of, I would say, not conform to tradition. We want to break out and create our own narratives, right? And that's the whole purpose of this platform for me. Um, and Priyanka Chopra has done exactly that. She didn't become a doctor like both her parents. Nope. She didn't, um, you know, strive for the traditional route. She went completely opposite and she chose a pageant. I mean, granted, she did it by mistake. <laughs> um, but what she made out of that was so important for me because she took winning Miss India, Miss World, turned it into a Bollywood career and then went completely left and went right down Hollywood. And that for me, the way she transitioned into someone, well, someone who came out of something traditional to becoming someone so sophisticated, so in her own lane, so literally left from what tradition or anyone expects her to do. That is a brilliant thing for me. And that's something I strive towards. So yeah, that's exactly why I love her. And that's what I strive towards to go completely left. I mean, you won't see me coming, but I'll be there. <laughs> so, yeah. And then Savannah, on, on, on your side of, uh, of KZN, uh, you, you're sort of South African. You have a bit of Portuguese heritage. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your journey. Like what brought you to Miss South Africa in 2021? Wow, how much time do we have on this call? Um, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. No, I'm joking. <laughs> About a year ago, actually, I was in a completely different stage of my life. I actually entered the South Africa last year, funny enough. Uh, not many people actually know that. Um, I was working as a professional dancer in the entertainment industry, and I booked the lead role in, or the lead dancing role in um, a theater show. And when COVID hit, I lost my job within 24 hours. As soon as Cyril spoke, I was unemployed. Because um, we got paid per show. It wasn't like you get retrenched or you have a monthly salary, you get paid per show. So when the show's closed, we were done. And it was devastating. I mean, my stepdad is a doctor and he said to me, Sav, my girl, this COVID is not going anywhere. And I said, well, I'm not prepared to wait around until someone finds a solution or until things that I put in red commas go back to normal because there is no back to normal. And I just said, right, well, I looked at what else I'm good at. I said, well, what are my other passions? And I said, I'm passionate about personal development and motivational speaking. I am very interested and obsessed with social media and how we can use, especially in this day and age, how technology is advancing and how we can use social media and free social media platforms to start a business. And I said, okay, well, that's what I'm going to do. So I used whatever resources I had left, put myself through short learning programs, and I started a business within less than, uh, I started a new career, should I say, in less than 12 months, I was, um, I went from unemployed to employed. And now I work for an international marketing agency and in a managerial position as well, position as well, um, handling like four, five, seven-figure business accounts. So, I mean, I did a complete 360, so it's a, a bit of a personal victory for me. And when I went through that, it made me realize that I'm not alone in this. You look at the statistics, and don't quote me on this, but it's roughly 70-something percent of our, of our youth is unemployed. I mean, that is a ridiculous statistic. And I was one of those. I was part of that statistic. So that for me was scary because it meant that with hard work and with a little bit of determination and, and believing in myself, I could overcome that. I almost wanted to take the opportunity and use the Miss South Africa platform, almost like a giant microphone, if I can say that, and, and use it to talk about my personal experience of overcoming unemployment. And with my knowledge and my skills of digital marketing and social media, talk about my, you know, my, my experience and how I overcame it on, a, on this microphone so that people in the back can hear me so that it can inspire somebody to do the same thing. Because it is, it is hard. I know it's hard. Some, I've been in that position where, you know, it's just darkness in front of you. You have nothing. You you think, well, I'm a victim. You know, 
I wasn't born into a wealthy family or I have little to no resources. How do I get out of this? But it is actually just about changing your mindset and saying, well, okay, if my dream is to become, say, a doctor, all right, I need to put myself through college. My family can't afford it. This is what I can do. I can use free social media platforms to start a small business, whether it's a hashtag grow your garden campaign or it is selling makeup remover cloths, for example. I know, I know one of my friends does that and she's doing very well for herself. So it's very affordable. It's very possible. And you can pay your bills with this. You can put yourself through college. You could really achieve your dreams. So my purpose with the Miss South Africa journey is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. Ultimately, that is, that is my plan. Yeah. And you've also got uh, quite a, a focus or a passion for uh, sort of bringing into gender-based violence. Uh, another one of those incredible things we have to deal with in South Africa on top of crime, uh, looting, pandemics. Uh, it's just a never-ending uh, story in terms of gender-based violence. No, of course. I mean, you know, there are many issues that we face in South Africa. There really are. I mean, apart from the issues, even like the ones that we're facing now today, there are also good things, you know. So although they are bad things, we also have to see, okay, well, what do we love about South Africa? Yes, okay, we hate gender-based violence. And if we could honestly say, if, if I had one wish, what would I do? I would end gender-based violence without a question. But we also have to say to ourselves, okay, yes, we are going to work towards, you know, aiding in the improvement of these things. We are going to work, work towards trying to end it, to try better our country. But at the same time, we also have to say, it's not all dark skies. There is also... What do we love about our country? The diversity, the culture, the people. People here are amazing. They are so friendly. I mean, I've traveled all around the world and I can honestly say when I'm home, it feels like home. The minute I walk through those gates, I'm greeted with the biggest smile and I'm like, I'm home. So, yes, there are lots of things in South Africa that are that are tough. And, and sometimes people will say, you know, today I don't feel proudly South African, but we are still proudly South African, you know, no matter what happens, even in these moments. And I'm sure Lizanne can agree with me. Even now, in these moments, you know, we get people overseas saying, oh, I'm just, I'm so glad I'm not there. And I'm saying, well, I want to be here. I want to be here. I don't want to leave. I know that it's hard. I know some people are packed their bags and they're ready to leave, but I'm proudly South African. And, and these moments don't define us. They don't make South African, South Africa, South Africa. You know what I mean? It's just, it is hard. It is horrible what's going on, but we will overcome this. And at the end of the day, we have so much as a country to be grateful for. I mean, just like us having this conversation just the opportunity that the Miss South Africa organization has provided us and being able to meet both of you, that in itself is amazing. And being able to exchange conversation with fellow South Africans is amazing. Mm, Lizanne, you're also nodding your head vigorously there. Yeah, completely in agreement. I think because we're so quick to find all the faults in every single situation and, um, it's often our saving grace if we look at what's still left and what we can still work from, what's still good, what's still, I mean, yeah, workable. And like like you were saying, Savannah, um, people are packing their bags and leaving and these things, these moments don't define us. But quite frankly, our resilience that will shine through this will completely define who we are. You know, some people say, um, is there hope for South Africa? Of course, there's hope for South Africa. If there, if, if there can be platforms where people are having conversations like the ones we're having today, and if we can inspire something out of this conversation, even if one person listens to it and feels some type of way, and if we can inspire some sort of positive change, then there'll always be hope for South Africa. Hope comes when there's inspiration. If there's inspiration, we can then there's hope for someone. So platforms like this, platforms like Miss South Africa, platforms like social media, if we can use it correctly, that is, um, 
will always inspire hope for us. So I completely agree with every sentiment, yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, ladies, it's been great chatting to you. I, I can't believe how quickly time flies. And, uh, it, it, you know, it's very encouraging to know that there's some 20-something uh, ladies out there who are uh, talking the way you are, thinking the way you are. And if you want to lend them your support, well, if you uh, want to go and vote, uh, there's a whole bunch of things you need to do. I know you have to uh, go and uh, there's a, a platform. You have to go, I don't know, bring your runs and your gold coins and whatever else you've got, and you can uh, vote for them. And if you vote for Lazan Lazarus, you vote vote number uh, 20 and if you vote for savannah dalmeida you vote uh, 27 so um lazan's uh, 20 and savannah's 27 in terms of their voting numbers not their age and uh, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us <laughs> thank you so much for joining us on the Santa times podcast it's been fantastic chatting to you connect with the santon times email editor at santontimes.co.za as things move on after this week's uh, insurgence in uh, KZN and in Gauteng, uh, the big focus right now is to get uh, those affected back on their feet uh, in more ways than one. Uh, as we've seen, we've seen uh, railway uh, infrastructure, highway infrastructure, uh, you know, brought to a standstill, trucks are not able to deliver uh, things to where they need to go, be it food, be it medicine, uh, the same on the rail. And then the big issue is, is that once it gets to its destination, the warehousing is gone. It's been burned down, it's been ransacked, it's been looted, and uh, and then getting it from the warehousing to the stores is a whole nother issue. We're seeing pictures on our televisions and on the internet across South Africa of people queuing in massive lines just to get milk, just to get bread, just to get the bare essentials. It's actually insane. I cannot believe that we're actually looking at some of this stuff. And uh, when I got an email uh, this week from uh, Fly SFA to say that they're going to be doing their best to try and get uh, much needed items into places like KZN. I thought, let's get them on the line. I'm chatting to Kirby Gordon. He's the chief marketing officer at Fly Safair. Kirby, this must be an unprecedented time for you guys as well. Yeah, look, I mean, I think you, the last uh, the last year and a bit have certainly thrown us a couple of curveballs, you know, of, of, a, of a whole lot of different natures. And and yeah, this is this is certainly a new a new type of challenge to be facing. Um, and yeah, I guess we've we're learning very well to to roll with the punches and surf the waves as it may be, and just do what we need to do along the way. Well, when I first read this email, it almost reminded me, uh, being a bit of a freak of history, uh, of the Luftbrücke or the air bridge that was developed into East Berlin uh, to supply East Berlin with. Uh, much-needed resources uh, just after World War II. Uh, this almost reminded me of the same thing, of bringing in by air, which is the only way that it actually can happen right now. Just tell me, how is FlySafair doing this? What exactly is the plan? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it is eerily similar. And I think, you know, part of what we need to bear in mind is it's, it's about taking things in. Obviously, there's that kind of immediate need um, and, the, and the sort of fundamental services that need to be delivered to people there. But it's also about supporting businesses and industry by bringing things out. I mean, it's a, it's a sort of a two-way communication or a two-way um, flow that, that needs to happen. Um, so, so what we're doing is we've obviously, as a sort of 
base point is we've increased the frequencies of our flights that we have operating into KZN, specifically from Cape Town and from Johannesburg. So you'll see some additional frequencies there. There are two inbound flights from Cape Town that have been added to the schedule for today, tomorrow, uh, Sunday and Monday. Um, and then similarly, additionals from Johannesburg down into that region. Um, so what we're able to do with that is obviously we can we can take um, some cargo in the belly of the aircraft, which will go both in and out actually, um, and then move passengers as needs be, which is mostly at this stage, mostly out of KZN rather than into KZN. Um, and then what we've, what we've done as well is just to try and make things a bit better. A few businesses have approached us that would ordinarily truck things specifically you know in or out um, and we've been able to help them with uh, some sort of preferential rates on cargo uh, just because obviously they wouldn't nor- normally pay you know air cargo rates and, and road is generally a bit cheaper for that sort of freight so we can just help them get some emergency services back and forth um, side note interesting interesting one that I had learned is there's a lot of uh, yeast production for, for bread baking that actually takes place in KZN so that's one of the industries that we're helping is is uh, is this yeast industry to bring their yeast up into into Johannesburg so that we can continue to bake bread up here um, and keep the supplies up here alive. Um, and then at the same token, we're also helping people a little bit with um, with some individual um, sort of needs, need cases. So uh, lots of folks are calling us saying, listen, I've got family in Durban and I need to get down there and I want to take, you know, an extra bag worth of food or, you know, companies that say we've got offices in this environment and we want to, we want to, you know, bring some stuff down. Um, and so what we're doing is we're allowing, uh, we've got a certain allocation per flight. It's roughly about half a ton worth of cargo per flight, um, and we're giving that away to folks for free, effectively. So they need to come and make application through our call center, um, just so that we don't, you know, over overweight any of the particular flights. We've got to just manage that quite carefully, um, and then we add those effectively checked bags onto people's bookings gratis, um, and they then can fly with those goods and take them down to deliver them to those in need on the other side. Well, I mean, this adds a whole new dynamic to your business. I mean, I think right now you're the only a domestic airline that's actually running. Uh, I think all the other ones are still grounded, if I if I have that correct. So apart from having to uh, tick the box in terms of getting people from A to B, you're also now going into the sort of semi-cargo uh, domestic business as well. Yeah, so, you know, cargo is actually something that we have been doing for a while. Um, it's it's one of those kind of behind-the-scenes things. And we, we call it, in the industry, we talk about belly freight, um, which is uh, which is definitely what I carry around thanks to banana bread and lockdown. <laughs> Join the club. That's a bit of a story. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so it's, it's, we talk about belly freight, which is obviously stuff that we can put into the hold of the aircraft on normal passenger flights. Um, and so that we broker through various different cargo facilities. You know, we don't sell it ourselves as a sort of retail offering, but we we have that facility in the background and it gets screened and managed appropriately. So fortunately, those channels are in place and we've been able to utilize them for those purposes. Uh, it's fantastic. And uh, I think it's going to be much needed over the next couple of weeks as this thing unfolds. I was amazed to see how many people are, well, I suppose leaving Durban is not not the obvious part, but going to Cape Town, not necessarily Johannesburg or any of the other big cities. Yeah, look, I mean, I guess Cape Town sort of at this stage, you know, given the last week feels like a, a bit of a sort of peaceful enclave um, that, that folks, I guess, want to want to try and escape to. So that has been the route that we've seen particularly high passenger demand on for people, you know, exiting um, KZN. And just sort of anecdotally, you know, when we deal with customers through our, our contact center and uh, various people contacting and getting hold of us, I try to keep a kind of close eye on what's happening there. Um, what I see is that a lot of folks are, 
are, are looking to try and bring like elderly relatives or other vulnerable relatives out of KZN. Just, you know, hey guys, come pull in with us for a for the weekend at least. Let's just watch and, and see if things can calm down um, and just help get them sort of out of that region where they possibly can. But in terms of uh, airline infrastructure, airlines, you guys seem to be fine. I mean, you haven't been affected by by any of the, the, the looting or the riots at, at this point. Yeah, fortunately, look, the, the airports are obviously national key points, and it seems that um, they've managed to uh, to keep them, um, you know, quite safe. So we haven't had any sort of direct impact on operations from that perspective. Um, obviously, we have had to, you know, sort of implement a, a degree of leniency when it comes to customers who have been unable to make flights because roads have been closed due to riots or just sort of have been unable to leave their homes for whatever reason. So, so there's that kind of impact on things. Um, and as it stands at the moment, and I think you mentioned it earlier, obviously, they're not a whole lot of, of airlines that are operating. So fortunately, we appear to be okay for the time being with regard to fuel. Obviously, the kind of existing reserves that have been in place of aviation fuel are sort of sufficient to see us through for the next little bit, um, given that there's just actually so few airlines operating at this point. Well, that brings me to probably my, my, my last question to you. I mean, we are still in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic. It almost felt like for a week we put all of that on hold and had a completely different focal point. I don't think I heard one COVID-19 report this entire week or anyone talking about it. Uh, how are you guys uh, managing with the general sort of le- lockdown level four, I think it is, um, in terms of passenger numbers, in terms of what's happening uh, I- in the skies? Yeah, look, you're absolutely right. I mean, this is all this is all happening on a on a backdrop of the third wave and and level four. So it is something that we need to definitely keep in mind. Um, and the reality is, it's very rough out there. You know, we we are we're capable of operating about a hundred flights a day to give you a sense. And at this stage, there are days when we're maybe operating less than twenty. Um, so so that kind of gives you a sense of of you know of how. Um, kind of low that demand is and and that in a context where as you mentioned before there are several other you know carriers that just aren't operating at all so the sort of degree to which things are suppressed is is intense um so for the time being what we do and this is what we've done through all the waves is we just kind of pull back as much as we can we operate um, the few flights that we are able to do and, and, and get them to a point where they at least break even, if not create a small kind of opportunity for a bit of profit, which then at least makes a contribution to some of the overheads and starts sort of offsetting or, or, or um, quelling the bleed, if you will, you know, uh, for these periods. And, and for the rest of it, it's just a matter of, of you know, good old South African fussbait and, and get through to this to the other end and make sure that we can keep going. Um, our teams have been amazing. Look, aviation, people across industries, across you know, all spectra have uh, have had to make a lot of sacrifices and things. Our, our our staff are no exception to that. You know, we've endured over the last year and a bit salary reductions and all kinds of things. Um, so everyone's doing their part, and yeah, we've just got to band together and pull through this thing. You know. Well, well done, and uh, I think on a, to end it on a lighter note, I must say I've 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 always commented that FlySafe has the most considerate pilots. Uh, so for someone who isn't a huge fan of mid uh, or clear air turbulence. Uh, your pilots are always unbelievably considerate. I remember a flight from Durban to Johannesburg, which was a little bit of a slalom. So we were kind of going sort of like, you know, left and right sort of from one cloud to the other cloud. But it ended up being such a smooth flight because they were avoiding every possible air pocket or bad upstream air or something that was coming along. And I thought, you know what, like, I'm happy to pay for this. I'm happy to pay not to have to sit strapped into my seat, wondering if this is ever going to end. And uh, so so good on you guys. It seems like you're, you're keeping your, your, your goodwill uh, going forward. 
Awesome, and I'll definitely pass that message on to the chief pilot. He'll be chaffed. Absolutely, yeah. Keep it going. Thank you so much, Kirby uh, Gordon. He's the chief marketing officer at Flysafir, aiding KZN and Gauteng at this time when we need it the most. Thank you so much. This is the Santin Times Podcast. Follow us on social media. So that's it. If you want to get in touch with us, email editor at santantimes.ca.today. You can also follow us on social media at santantimes. And uh, don't forget to visit the website, www.santantimes.ca.today. And you can follow, subscribe, share, and leave a review or rating of this podcast on your preferred platform. Thank you to all my guests on this week's episode. And so much has been said. Hopefully this is the worst of it. And we all can have a peaceful week going ahead. I encourage you to stay safe, stay strong. Thank you for listening and let's connect again next week.